Somebody said the football's a matter of life and death to you. I said, listen, it's more important than that. Would Tramie be fighting it as hard if they were 15th in the league? Not for me, Clive. You know, you've got Sunderland, Portsmouth and Ipswich in our league now, in League One. They're massive clubs. Not for me, Clive. Because it will come back around, there will be something that will benefit other people as well. Not for me, Clive. Welcome to Man Marking, the podcast that uses football as a vehicle to encourage men to become more comfortable talking about their mental health. Today, we'll be discussing referees in an episode entitled, You're Not Fit to Referee. Joining me today to discuss this topic is Ryan and Ant, the two usual fellas. How are we, boys? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Not doing too bad. Just there, enjoying a, a nice coffee and your two lovely faces on the Zoom chat. Ant, what about you, mate? How are we? Good, yeah. I've got my, uh, my cards and my whistle at the ready. I'm <laughs> uh, not afraid to get them out. Uh, yeah, no, doing really well. Fantastic. No uh, no brew for you, though, is there no milk in the house? No, no milk in the house because apparently it's gone off, uh, which means I now need to venture out into the apocalypse and get some milk. Well, you know, you, you are a brave man and we, we will salute you. And, you know, if you don't make it back from that journey, we'll, we'll honour your memory. That's fantastic. That's good to know, isn't it? So last week, referee Darren Drysdale was charged with improper conduct by the FA following an incident involving Alan Judge during the League One tie between Ipswich Town and Northampton Town. Drysdale was subsequently removed from officiating the game between Southend and Bolton last weekend as a result of the incident at Portman Road. The incident prompted a strong reaction, both in criticism and defence of Drysdale, who has worked as an official for over 20 years. Drysdale apologised immediately for his actions, which prompted a tweet from Alan Judge in which he said, there was no need for an apology. I wasn't looking for one or looking for any action to be taken. In football, as everybody knows, stuff happens in the heat of the moment in a game. We all make mistakes. And for me, that is the end of this. The dispute follows a spate of incidents involving referees that culminated in Mike Dean asking to be taken off matchday duties after he suffered abuse following the sending off of West Ham's Thomas Suchek. Martin Cassidy, Chief Executive of Ref Support UK, is concerned for the officials' mental health and fears many will not return to the grassroots sport after the pandemic. This small minority is affecting it, said Cassidy. The small minority is getting bigger and bigger post-lockdown. They're coming out of it like caged animals. People are threatening referees over throw-ins now, and that never used to happen. Real aggression is coming out on social media and on the ground. We're worried for the game. Demand for our services increased year on year. The biggest significant increase has been since we restarted after lockdown. Abuse of match officials is hardly a new phenomenon, but the recent events have prompted an overdue discussion about whether or not the way we as a football and society treat referees is acceptable. We wanted to take the opportunity at Man Marking to ask that very question. And furthermore, we wanted to turn the tables on ourselves as football fans and ask what more we could be doing. So, first port of call then, Ant and Ryan. What did you both think about the the incident involving Darren Drysdale and Alan George? And, and Ant, I'm going to come to you first. I think the first thing I thought was, go ahead. Um, but, <laughs> no, seriously, the, the first thing I thought was, I actually felt, you know, more support for the referee, really, because it it's obviously a, a situation, that was my first that reaction anyway, it's a situation that obviously quite heated and I I assumed something must have been said and Drysdale's obviously gone in and gone, I'm not having this. But then when looking at it back, someone else, I think, might have been Ryan putting, putting our group, said, well, if it was that bad, you'd send him off, wouldn't you? So... Not really sure kind of what's going on. I don't think we'll ever know really what's going on unless we obviously get access to the to the reports that are that are used for referees. Do you think do you think it might be useful for context for people to know what was actually said? Oh absolutely, yeah. I think it'd be pretty great. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. I think it'd be yeah, Maybe that's probably... why Alan Judge tried to brush it under the carpet as quickly possibly, as he did. Yeah, possibly. Could be, could be yeah, you, you don't know, do you? Um I, but... I just I wonder if that would help. The discourse if people could know exactly why that happened and, and and why the subsequent sort of you know you know you know the, the punishment for for Drysdale yeah. has happened. My my, my my other thought, sorry, right, my other thought was that's that's been coming, that's been coming for 
I mean, it's surprising it's, it's taken so long, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, I, I carried on thinking about it. I was like, I've seen this before. Kalina's done this for, for many, many years. And everyone went, oh, yeah, good. It's fine. He looks scary. We're not messing with him. <laughs> uh, but they were, they were my thoughts, first of all. Like, yeah. I Ryan. don't know if yours differed, Ryan. I, I don't know. It, it did. I'm not. 100% either way but I am more leaning towards he shouldn't have done it and the reason being is he's there to officiate and to referee and do that you've got to really keep your emotions in check and not have any bias and not really get let things get you and your weapons to control it or your yellow and your red card and I feel like if he can't control his emotions in the game then he's not really in a state to control the game itself if what Alan Judd said was that bad, I think he should have used his cards. But I'm, I am still sympathetic towards the treatment of referees, and I understand that you probably wouldn't accept how he was spoken to anywhere else. You certainly wouldn't accept it if you worked in an office or you were walking down the street. So this isn't me saying that there's no blame on the player's part and there doesn't have to be a bit of a rethink in how we treat referees. I just think that... I mean, he's been refereeing for, what, 15, 20 years? He's probably been called all sorts for years. Yeah, 22, 22 years. 20, 22 years. I mean, maybe you have to question why he's hit breaking point. Why, Why if after thousands of games, has he? did he react that badly that day? I'm not too sure. Um, but I, do, I don't know if the punishment's quite fair. Six, six games seems a lot, but maybe a weekend or two weekends out to just try and reassess. Well, I think at this, and... at this stage, he's only been given... It's only a one-match. It was, oh, it was a one-match. Sorry. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, so... That seems about right to me. Well, interestingly, and also... So that moves me on kind of to one of the next questions, which is about the sort of the reaction, which I think has been... It's been interesting, really. And, and, it's, and I suppose it's quite understandable for the way that these things often then get taken onto Twitter, which is where this conversation often takes place, which is quite a polarising format anyway. But Paul Lambert, who's the Ipswich Town manager, at the time of recording is the Ipswich Town manager, stated that had it been the other way around, the judge would have been given a six-game ban or worse. Wow. So... Do you think, and, and, and I can see his points, I can 100% see his points, if it was the other way around, there would have been a lot worse punishment potentially for Alan George as the, the player in that situation. And I think it's interesting in that context, the, the tweet that Alan George put out about it as well, he didn't seem massively perturbed about it. But do you think there's room, or at least room for the, the conversation that perhaps Drysdale's maybe been let off, you know, perhaps a little bit easily? Ryan, you've, you've got your hand up. Yeah, um, I think you can see it both ways. So while the player may not have got off um, as lightly as the referee, equally you can argue that the players get away with more anyway during the game. The yeah. players go head-to-head with each other every single match and and the reaction isn't what it was to Drysdale. The reaction is because the referee did it. So if Lambert's saying that the ban would be worse for a player, then you've got to use the other argument, which is... but. A player, you wouldn't even it wouldn't even made the papers or the news if a player went head to head with another player. You see it every match. So does he, does he mean not comparable directly? I don't. I think, think I think Lambert mean means to a referee. Yeah, if Judge had squared up to Drysdale in the way that Drysdale squared up to Judge, then the player would yeah. have received a lot more of a, 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 a. I mean, the player would have been sent off straight off the bat and probably would have got minimum you know four matches for example as a yeah what what kind of meant by that though is that players do get the release aggression during the 90 minutes in ways that a referee don't a referee just has to just make a decision and and always it's always a decision that someone disagrees with and they're always on the end of something they never make a decision everyone just adheres to it do they do you know what I mean? And even when it's like Stonewall decisions, your players just naturally like defend themselves. So. Well, you're told, aren't you, to appeal everything, aren't you? But that, that's kind of instructions for when you're playing. And you yeah. can, you know, it, there's an obvious reason why you would do that to try and gain an advantage either way. And I do think there is a massive Absolutely. difference between appealing for stuff and, and, and disagreeing with referees' decisions and the abuse, which will which we'll come on to. And it looked as though you were going to you were gonna add something there, a, a nugget of gold, I'm sure. Well, I, I think in terms of Paul Lambert, I think you've got to understand he's a, he's a very under-pressure manager. Ipswich are a very under-pressure side, financially and on the pitch. Um, they're doing very, very distinctly average, uh, averagely in, in the league. I think they're about 12th now. Um, 
I think taking that one incident out of that game could be quite difficult. I think you've got to view the whole thing for the start. And I don't think that's been, I mean, outside of, I mean, for us, but we're not Ipswich fans, we're not Northampton fans, we don't really know what went on. Um, so I think that's, I just think when he when Lambert goes there and, and says that, he just tries to take all the blame from from the player as well. Um, and I don't understand why he's saying, could you imagine if that had happened to a referee and it was the player doing it? We've seen that. We've seen Decanio do that and he got banned for a long time. But it, that was the, the kind of outlier in, in all that. We've seen a lot of those things, you know, where people are sent off for foul and abusive language plenty of times. We saw it uh, the other week with, you know, homophobic language at, at, at the Morecambe game. These referees aren't going to gonna stand for that all the time. I, I, it's a very tricky tricky thing from from Lambert's point of view because I, I imagine he's trying to trying to protect his player as well, as well more so than anything else um interesting that George came out and said what he said because mm. I think that's quite a I actually think that's quite a grown-up thing to do um it's really really mature way of looking at it and saying look it was a it's a football game do we need to take this any further um let's leave it in the hands of the the people who, who kind of decide these things Essentially, I wonder it's if just, it's, it's, if it's... I, I think it's just because it comes on the back of of all the other stuff. That's what I was just about it's to happened. say. It, Paul Lambert's reaction is immediately after the game, after a poor result mm-hmm. that, that puts them further under pressure. And also, Ipswich has a player sent off in the in stoppage time as well, obviously by Drysdale, um, and they, they 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 drew that game nil nil, which is a, a poor result for them. Whereas Judge maybe has time to reflect on it and, and is coming at it from a slightly more um, removed. Sort of, yeah. sort of perspective. To move the conversation on, then this this has kind of sparked quite a lot of conversation about the way that referees are treated, and perhaps more broadly in football, the way that referees are viewed. You know, it, 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 in a lot of ways, maybe just as punch bags for players, fans, officials, or you know, whoever. In November of last year, Dr. Tom Webb uh, co-authored uh, a book which was entitled "Referees, Match Officials, and Abuse." which found that 93.7% of match officials they interviewed said that they have experienced verbal abuse, which was higher than other sports such as cricket, which was just over 50%, rugby union, which was also just over 50%, and significantly higher than football in other European countries. And more than 9 in 10 referees they spoke to said that they've been verbally abused, with 60% experiencing some form of abuse every two games. And Dr Tom Webb, um, also said, uh, he told BBC Sports that abuse is still a significant issue and is probably the biggest issue in refereeing. Mental health within referees is intrinsically tied to abuse. We've obviously had two referees on very recently, Bobby Madley and Ali Buchanan, who both spoke, you know, in, in almost passive terms about the abuse that they receive. So it's, it's, it's just something that they expect to get that it's just part and parcel of being a referee that you're going to get stick and to a later you know to a lesser or greater extent you just kind of have to accept it and get on with it so i suppose then for you two why do you believe that there's an attitude in football that it's that it's okay to to verbally abuse officials and your you know you're into your into your cricket and into your rugby as well and the attitudes towards the officials there is is wildly different than it is in in football isn't it uh, yeah but it doesn't stop uh, some abuse towards them, particularly cricket. Rugby seems to be a lot more uh, stringent on on any like back chat or anything like that. But you have to be. There are ways of obviously doing it. You can be quite pally with them before the game and, and get them on side and stuff. We all know kind of like the little dark arts towards it. Uh, with cricket, it was it, it's basically it is umpire's decision is final, and you see that a lot at the first team level. Um, I don't. There are incidents that, that that occur, but when you go down to like second team and third team levels in, in certain leagues, they're actually umpired by players on on the opposition team. So that's where the kind of the, the jeopardy comes into it. Are they being fair? Are they being truthful? So that's where it kind of creates some of the problems. I think for for football, the, the thing that I found is is that you can just mould those laws to. First of all, the referee can mould those laws to whatever he wants that game to be like. And I think if you can influence that referee, you know, if you, if if 10 players go and surround him and say, actually, that tackle is an absolute disgrace, you're probably not going to see that tackle again during the game. And if you do, it's going to be a yellow card. And we've seen it for so many, many years. You know, uh, some tackles are OK in derby games, some tackles aren't. 
in, in any other game. In the opening 10 minutes of a wet game, you can pretty much get away with anything. You've got to let let the opposition player know you're there in the first five minutes. I don't know what that is other than just clattering into them. Uh, but that seems to be allowed. Um, first and 10 think, minutes of a cup final, you can get away with a lot as well. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen it. You know, oh, you can't send someone off in a big game because that ruins yep. a spectacle. Yeah. There's, there's so many, so many things. And I think that it's that approach to it from referees. And I can understand why they do it because they've got to referee each game differently. But if you look at the laws, that's not how it's meant to be done. But there's think, a clear um, disconnect between it and the players pick up on it and go, actually, we can we can make a, a mockery of this. And they do it so effectively. You look at the some of the best captains. Roy Keane was, was the one and he's the one who's, who's kind of focused on a lot, particularly because it's, the Premier League was so big. Roy Keane was always around the referee, always in his ear. And you see it a lot now where every team needs one of those players in someone's ear, you know, just getting after the referee, whether it be the lines, linesman or, whether, or the assistant referee or the, or, the, or the referee itself. Even the fourth official, the, the managers are going at the fourth official, aren't they? How much time you're adding on, how much you're doing here, you know what I mean? It's, it's, well, I, it's because I, it's so changeable. I wonder if, um, so with compar- comparing it to, to other sports, particularly cricket and rugby and possibly I mean to be honest with you possibly tennis is probably a, a fairly good comparison you know comparison you see a lot of uh, umpires in in uh, in tennis getting quite a lot of stick don't they off 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 players um but it's they, normally, they, normally that Kyrgios fella though isn't it yeah yeah but even even um, the likes of Djokovic and, and Adam yeah. Demore he used to be bad for it when he was when he was younger as well and I guess in that situation it's probably because it's there's there's two people on the on the court and one umpire sat on a big lifeguard's chair that it, it, it kind of exacerbates it but I wonder if with football in comparison to cricket and rugby is that a goal in football is a lot more significant than than, than one incident in, in a cricket match or a rugby match, if you know what I mean, because the, 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 there's more points if, if you get what I mean. So a try in, in rugby doesn't might not hold as much weight as a, as a goal in football. That's not, obviously not always the case, but no. it's a lower score in sport, isn't it, football? Yeah, so yeah, the decisions yeah. may hold more weight in, 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 in that respect. Do you, I mean, Ryan, you, 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 you and I have played football together. Mm-hmm. We've, we've been going to match together for a, for a, for a long time. It's kind of part and parcel to give the referee some shit or give the liner some shit when you're watching a football match. That's just kind of standard. And we talked about it when we did an episode, one of these episodes about player abuse, that it's just seen as normal that you would get up and shout abuse at, at a, a player on the other team, maybe, you know, for, for either your own <laughs> gratification or maybe to get a bit of an edge. Yeah. Do you ever kind of look at that and just think, like, Especially for referees who referee at, at our level at, at Tranmere, they're, they're, they're as we know they're not, you know they're not, you know it's not their full time job being a referee. It's it's something that they do alongside another job. So Darren Drysdale, for example, is a sergeant in the RAF. Um, so that's 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 what he does, and, and refereeing is um, not his full time job. So. I guess then when you look at it in that context that you, it might be a Tuesday night, it might be that referee's come come after work or whatever it might be, mm. and then you're stood there giving him abuse because he's made a decision in what is an incredibly difficult position. Do you have any kind of insight into why there is that kind of attitude towards referees that it's, it's okay to, to give them that, that level of, of stick? I don't think it's okay, but I, I understand kind of why it happens because people put so much emphasis on winning football matches whether you're a player or a fan and it kind of like a perfect breeding ground for it isn't it because one refereeing decisions are so subjective at anyway mm. that you could go down to a pub and massively disagree on a tackle or a handball we i mean yesterday i had a proper or whenever it was a back and forth on uh, the penalty for everton at goodison well, I was going to uh, at Anfield. I was yeah. going. I was going to ask you both about that because I could see both how it was definitely a penalty and also how it, it really wasn't, wasn't a penalty. It was, both, it was. It was one of them situations where I don't know how you make up a rule to deal with that situation. And like all that spills over. And I kind of like a lot of my when I watch football with my dad, he hates referees crowding around players, and he hates disrespect that players give referees and I do agree with him but because he, he hasn't played 
going so long. I understand how the emotion that's going through those players at that time, and that played nowhere near the level they played at. I'm like, I can imagine when you're in that situation, it is impossible to not react. But equally, you've got to realise you can't, can't just abuse someone. It's not an excuse for abuse. It's not abuse. You just can't do it. Is there so, too much? Um, is there too much? Is it too much responsibility to give one person? Like, <laughs> is, is, is it diff- because it's like? So I suppose the only comparison would be it's sort of like a judge in a courtroom, but the 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 there's not that le- in a courtroom. If the judge tells everyone to be quiet or We'll, I'll stop this right now. People generally listen to what the, the, the judge is saying because mm-hmm. there's that level of respect about the role. Whereas for a referee, they can be, you know, there's, there's 22 people there. There's there's all the coaching staff and the management. There's the fans. There's the whole everything about the game. Technically, the referee is basically in charge of the whole thing. And yet, yeah, yet but... they're, they're like the least respected person in the stadium. Like, it's just really weird dichotomy. Because... They're the villain, aren't they? They always will be the villain. I mean, I like to think that a lot of people will say when a referee makes a good decision, but it's always going to be a good decision for only 50% of the team. So it's one of them difficult situations. I don't think it helps when TV programmes go, we're now going to bring in Peter Walton. Peter, was that the right decision? You're like, are you scrutinising every single decision? And then you Uh, get other referees in... So you'll get... So you'll have... um, Howard Webb. Webb In one newspaper talking about a decision and Mark Lattenberg in a different newspaper and they'll both completely disagree on whether it was a right decision or not, which is absolutely fine because you, these, these a lot of decisions aren't binary, but it, 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 it's, I don't think it helps the conversation that you're then having other people without, because the referees don't have a voice of their own to be able to explain any of the decisions and nor do I, do I think that doing that would be particularly helpful, but it does seem really difficult for you know, it's different for a player because ultimately you could be saying they should have passed it there or they should have shot there. But 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 overall, it's kind of a performance decision, isn't it? It's 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 judging whether they've played well or not. With a referee, it's judging whether they can physically do their job properly. A lot of the time. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, sorry, Pamela, we'll let you come in now. I just think that in a lot of other sports, it's exactly like in tennis. Before we were talking about, it, is the ball in or is it out? You can use cameras and the the umpires there. The, facilitate the things that go on in between and there's few less incidents that it's subjective it's a lot more black and white probably similar in cricket but Bob might disagree rugby is the one that's probably similar to, to football where you've got to kind of judge was a tackle dangerous and those type of things but equally I think there's less aggression in rugby because you're, you're nailing people so it's kind of like I'm <laughs> less pissed off when I can mash a fella it's a way they can get the aggression out but when you put your hand on someone's back and they throw themselves to the floor and then it's a penalty and you think I've barely touched him. That pent up anger, the only way you can get it out is through your voice. You can't get it out in any other way. There was so two I incidents was with um, there were two incidents with Mo Salah where he went down for a decision in that Liverpool Everton game where he didn't get the decision. And he got a penalty for that exact same thing about two weeks ago. Yeah. Because we were all talking about and I said, I know why that penalty's been given, but it annoys me that that's a penalty now. And then he did it in the same thing and didn't get the penalty. And I suppose at that point, because that kind of brings me on to the sort of the second part of the, of the question is, do you think that the, the kind of inconsistent application of laws exacerbates the situation for referees or, sh- or should that not matter? No, 100%. 100%. 100% it matters. I mean, Brian, you two just said there, uh, Clattenberg has one opinion, Howard Weddup has another on the same rules and the same laws. How? How do you get that? How do you get? How do you get to that conclusion? And it, it's a it's a problem that's it's that has been uh, exacerbated with VAR, and we're going to come and talk about that in a bit. But you're talking about Mo Salah going down there theatrically, but you got to go down to get a penalty. So how how do you? Where's that law? You don't have to go down to get a penalty, but it's just accepted in the game that that's a thing that needs to be done. I could kick lumps out of you. You could stand on your feet, and I got I I would say 
you would probably not get a penalty if you don't fall over. Like, mm. that, that doesn't work. Great that... honesty by staying on his feet there. Yeah, exactly. I know. So does that mean going down is dishonest? Uh, it's just, it just, it just baffling, and that's where the, the problems come from. And they've just been allowed to seep in and seep in, and you get to the point where, oh, we need the technology, and obviously we're going to talk about it, and it's just blowing it wide open when people have gone, well, how? How is this even... How have you come to that decision? So you're talking about the, the Calvert-Lewin penalty... I can see why it's a penalty. I could see why it's really not a penalty as well. I, I, if he doesn't give, the problem is you get to the point where it goes. Well, I mean, you can you can see why he's not giving it. So if he doesn't give it. Is there enough to overturn it and call it a penalty? I, I don't know because well, what, a, because that, well, see that's the I, knows I, that? I, I, I suppose probably you know we'll move on to VAR then in terms of whether it's helped or worse in the situation, which is how I phrased the question. I suspect we're both, we're probably all in a, in agreement that it's, it's not helped the situation for referees because I think, so that, that penalty instance at Everton, in the, in the Everton-Liverpool game was interesting because Chris Kavanagh went to the VAR monitor, didn't he? He had a look at the VAR monitor and he literally looked at it once. And I imagine what he's looked at has gone, yeah, that's exactly what I've just seen. I'm checking to see is there anything I haven't seen. And he saw it and he thought, no, that's what I've given it for. So that's that's fine. And mm-hmm. my my um, interpretation of the situation was that um, I think it was it was uh, Alexander Arnold, wasn't it? He's he's gone in for the tackle, the first tackle, and missed man and the ball. And because he's gone in for that tackle, is how he's made the second phase of that the foul where. Because if he doesn't trip Calvert Lewin over, even though it's accidental, Calvert Lewin just sticks that in the back of the net, doesn't he? Yeah. And actually gets me some points in my fantasy team, so I was a bit annoyed about that. But <laughs> if, if, if Alexander Arnold doesn't make the first tackle, he can't make the second foul. So I guess that's probably what it's been given for. But equally, as Jamie Carragher said, where's Alexander Arnold meant to go? Like, what's he meant to do? Technically, yeah. Calvert Lewin has kicked him in the back of the head mm. and he's managed to give away a penalty. But equally, Calvert Lewin say, well, you shouldn't be in my way. You yeah. know what I mean? You're blocking my path. So I get it either way, but I just think with VAR, and we, we briefly mentioned at the top of the programme the um, incident with Mike Dean and Thomas Suchek, which I think has kind of brought a lot of this to head because Mike Dean is somebody who is is either by design or by accident is probably the most well-known referee in the country. You, yeah. He probably yeah. is, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, we we all know him as a, he's, a, he's a big Tramia fan and, and there was the incident with him at Forest Green where he was stood on the on the, um, on the the terraces, which we were all absolutely loving. I, I, I found that interesting, really, because he was getting, he got a bit of stick about that, about, you know, he was like that, you know, he was making it about him. I think as Tramia fans, I think we were all loving it, weren't we? It was, yeah. it was, it was really funny. But, I said, but Mike Dean is somebody who is very well known. He's very high profile. He seems like the type of person who makes big decisions and is happy to stick with them and be scrutinised. But even someone like that, even someone at the very top of the game in, in you know, of refereeing, even he asked, "Can I step away for a week?" Even mm-hmm. because of the abuse that he was getting. And you think at that point something needs to change because that is unacceptable. It is. It has gotten to a level that, that even if you didn't think it was unacceptable before, which is which is definitely debatable, as we'll, we'll, we we you know we've discussed and we'll move on to in in a little bit. But it's it's unacceptable that a person feels that they are you know unable to come and do their job due to the abuse that they're getting for simply doing their job. Now we discussed the Suchek incident, I think, between us in the in our in our WhatsApp group, and I I, I still can't understand how he's made that decision. But for whatever reason, he's made that decision. And rather than it, rather than just being like, and ultimately it didn't even affect the game. It made absolutely no impact on the game whatsoever. But it got overturned. The red card got overturned. So what's the point in having VAR if you're then going to overturn stuff later on? Because you've just made the referee look stupid there, haven't you? I just I just think I, I can't understand how helpful that is for anybody I, to I have that of... scrutiny on the decision. Yeah, I don't, think that's though, Dan, I don't think it's helpful. But it's not how. Why should a team be punished if the decision's wrong? No, I think I think what the what the but it, but what, it, means but it, you, what are they looking at? That's any difference? Exactly what he looked. So at that point is so what they're saying is Mike Dean doesn't know the laws of the game. That's what they're saying. Well, not I think I don't think it's that he doesn't know the laws of the game. He's just made that decision that's wrong. It, it, 
But, the, but, the, but his the, job is to make the right decision. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, we can't make the right decision all the time. We've got to remember people. But isn't that the point of VAR, though? Isn't the point? It wasn't the whole point of VAR that yeah. it was brought in to eradicate those issues. Because if that if we didn't have VAR in that scenario, you could say, okay, maybe he saw it in a split second. Maybe he didn't have the right angle. Maybe this. Maybe that. But ultimately, he got every single conceivable angle that the that the appeals panel got. And they came to a completely different decision, but, but they're working off the same laws. I so kind of think to... you you stop progression when you can't admit when you're wrong. And I know what you're saying there, but you've watched it in real time in a sm- smaller window rather than, as you said, with the Alan Judd scenario where you can go away, you can think of it, and you can remove emotion. And I think if West Ham lose one of their best players for three games because a decision was ultimately wrong, it's not Aren't fair. Aren't you undermining the referee, though? Maybe you are, but I think undermining the referee or getting the decision right that you can't but long term does that not have a more of a damaging implication for referees if VAR, you're undermining their decisions does VAR undermine referees VAR definitely undermines decisions what's quite weird for me is because we can be quite subjective the three of us and we can we don't have VAR at Tramier because of the Tramier but we haven't we been to one Tramier game where we've had goal line technology and one Tramier game where we've had VAR now I Goal line technology is a given because it just works perfectly, apart from that one game at Villa Sheffield United. But um, we had playoff game where we had goal line technology and we probably got promoted that season because of that decision. It was huge for us. Mm. And then we've had VAR in a Watford FA Cup time tie and two decisions. It went absolutely brilliantly. I wasn't a fan of VAR when I watched it on telly, but when I saw the practical elements of it, obviously because it helped Premier, but I could see why it was in. Like all of a sudden, this makes sense. So. You kind of got to. I think what they've got to do is draw the line between technology and human, and say this is the parameters. But at the moment, it's all mixed. It's like we'll bring the technology in, but we won't define the rules. We won't define how things work. We'll just hope that technology fixes it all. And it's like, yeah, yeah. well, technology is like it's it's algorithms. It's based on the information you put into it. And if you don't know what the rules are, then it doesn't work. I think, I think it, that's also really detrimental point. to. But I think. I think yeah, I I agree with what you with what you say. It, the, the technology is only as good as the user, isn't it? It's only yeah. as uh, it's only as successful. I'm the best person. laptop in the world, but if you don't know what to start it, it won't work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you, you know, yeah, if you if you don't put the if you don't charge it up, it's not going to turn yeah. on, is it? But I think I do think there is a difficulty for referees, and that they're already at a they're already at a disadvantage, as you say, as the villain of the piece. So they're the only person that nobody is there to see. So mm. nobody is going to see the referee, maybe apart from the referees. An army Barry. An army Barry, yeah. <laughs> but nobody's there to see the referee. Nobody's there to see the line that you know the the, the linesman, lineswoman. But but they instantly can can they can be told you can be told the game changed on a referee's decision or a referee's decision made the game or whatever it might be. And I think that's that if that's the case, then the players aren't that important. Just have the referee turn up and get him to blow his whistle every now and again. Because if twenty-two fellas running around the pitch for ninety minutes have got less of an impact on the final result than one guy with a whistle who might have given a decision you don't agree with, then what is the whole point of football? And I wonder if so. This is a question oh, I've just written down. I've just written down on the on my page. Have we lost? Do you think we've lost perspective on how important football results are? I thought you were going to and say, "Have we lost the game?" <laughs> God, made the game the as well. Gone. The, the game is well gone. Don't worry about that. But have we lost perspective? Is are we putting too much, too much importance on the decisions that referees who? make? The, who? The, the fans? The, 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 or... Yeah, fans, the media, the the, the general football discourse. It, it, it's very I reactionary think... to those decisions and how much importance they hold. When ultimately, in the long run, no refereeing decision is ever decided. Uh, 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 you know whether a team wins a league, for example, it's it's done over too big of that sample size for that to be the case. It wasn't great with Ireland versus France, like, but um... yeah, but Ireland, Ireland, <laughs> went, France didn't win the World Cup, and Ireland weren't going to win the World Cup either. So I ultimately, know, it didn't really matter, did it? It does when it, your objective can be more than just winning an overall title because very few people do it. So. Like you saw um, that decision with the, the one we talked about, where the uh, whole guy didn't work for Aston Villa, probably kept them up. Probably well, worth millions and millions see, of pounds. Yeah, but there's see, another 37 games that have happened where teams didn't accumulate enough points. There is, yeah. but ultimately, when the season restarted, 
without that goal, they'd go down. But would they? I think so, yeah. <laughs> no, but, no but, they, but if they lose that game, rather than drawing that game... Yeah, but the point informs the next game and the next game and the next game. So it's a different time. So you can't. So if you remove that point, then the way they behave in the next game is different and the way they behave in the next game at that is different. But the point so being, they, they won the remaining games, didn't they? They couldn't have done any more. Yeah. I, I think they all of them, though, did they? I think they got seven from the last three. Going back to the... That game, wasn't it? Going it was back more to games the, than that, though, wasn't it? Going back to the original question of whether the, the you know do we put too much importance on it? I think the media do. I think Absolutely. Sky definitely do at the moment. It's lazy. It just it is it is lazy is it because it's easier to talk about for people sure. than talking about. Is it because like talking about um, actual football stuff? So you know, stuff tactical tactics, tactics yeah. and all that sort of stuff yeah. is more complex and harder. You know, difficult to, to discern than just was the referee right or wrong. Yeah, it's boring as well talking about tactics. Like no one wants to listen to that. No one, no one ever wants to listen to that. Really, they'd want like the the hour of Monday night football where Neville and Carragher are on the iPad, which is great. It's fantastic. But I, I think it is easy when they've got such a short. To be fair, they have got quite a short uh, period of time now to review the games. Usually, they have quite a, a long one. Don't they? they used to have like two hours talking about City versus Chelsea, and. I, yeah, I do think it is. It's pretty lazy. I, I, that's my point of view, though. I think if you're blaming a, a refereeing decision on um, losing a game, it, it's difficult. Just going back to that point of the Sheffield United one, Sheffield United still had the whole rest of the game to try and score a goal, which is what people will look at. Yes, they should have had a goal. When we're talking about the referees, though, I think fans now are becoming, uh, I don't know, it's almost because they're not in the stadium. It's just becoming a lot worse, a lot more hurtful, a lot more... Lot but it's becoming yeah, pointed for people as well. Just yeah. going back to that Sheffield United-Villa one. So after that game, Villa lost four of their next five games. So, they, they, so for example, two games later, they drew away at Newcastle. So I suppose what I was, what was driving at, Ryan, when we were talking about was if Villa had lost that game, maybe they would have had to win that Newcastle game in their own heads so maybe they go and win that game at Newcastle rather than draw yeah, yeah, I thought they had a better run than that but it they, was they won, the end of the season wasn't it they won two and drew two of their last four last but they four. lost four out of their next five um, and drew with Newcastle which is basically a defeat um, oh, in, in <laughs> after that game so I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that there is no I, I personally have never seen any evidence to suggest that a referee's decision can can make a massive influence over your entire season and if it can then that's a cop out for me and I think that puts too much emphasis and importance on the outcome of an individual decision which is being because we, we always get these statistics about referees that they get 97.8% of decisions correct yet the whole discourse seems to be that the referees aren't good enough you, think, well, oh, how yeah, much, you know yeah but 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 Sergio Aguero's uh, strike rate is 12% or something. Yeah, he's the greatest thing of all time. So I just think there's, I don't think, because there's nobody there that's supporting the ref. So the referee can't win, even if he, as Ryan said, even if he makes a good decision, it's a bad decision for half of the people there. So I just wonder if the way that we talk about referees and the way that we talk about individual decisions, I don't think it's helpful in the way that referees are viewed because they, they, they physically can't win. They just, they, 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 they just can't win. No, there's not much protection for them either. No. I don't think. Uh, I think, you know, Mike Dean takes time off. There's not really much of a statement put out. There's not there's not the same coverage given to the to the statements as the decision that he made the other week at all. There's not an hour talking about that, is there? There's not. No, I no, and refl- Is there a reflection on that? that okay, you know. Well, there, there is, there is, you know, spread out so obviously we've had articles and stuff written but how many people read articles I, I, I don't really know yeah are they talking about it on Monday Night Football are they having any reflection on that I, I, can't, don't... Remember, I can't remember saying it now it's quite funny really because the biggest compliment referees tend to get is when they mention we didn't have to mention them yeah I don't Which, I don't agree with that it's kind of, well, it's kind of weird isn't it it's kind of like yeah. As long as they haven't got nothing wrong, we can move on and that's a good before. Not, not, they don't really ever say any ref. You do get people saying they ref it really well, and I do think there are people in the media who, who try and defend them and, and stuff like that, but they're not really designed there to be talked about, and I think we do talk about it too much in an negative way, and I think it probably was better when we just allowed 
that there be human error involved and you had that daylight rule with offside. Now these lines, these lines aren't good for football. It's, it's not a making it too precise. It's not a new thing that, that referees are under this this scrutiny though. Like at no, all. No, it's it's not definitely that. not it's definitely I just not think we moved it? on quicker from it. Yeah. Yeah, and people obsess over these things, don't they? For, for, and football news like, moves I, very quickly, but there, there is an obsession with, and I think because of the scrutiny that they're under now, is that they can look at it in such such minute detail and such minutia. And again, like I said before, with a footballer, if a player has a bad game or a player misses a chance or whatever it might be, the conversation is never, should they not be allowed to do their job? Like, are they physically fit to do their job? And we called this episode, You're Not Fit to Referee, which is tongue-in-cheek because that's a, a, a chant that people will, will chant at referees or classically did um, maybe maybe some years ago. They now just call them a wanker and, and, and get on with it. But they, 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 I think there is a discourse that goes on when a referee makes an incorrect decision or what is perceived to be an incorrect decision that they're not fit to do it. They shouldn't be allowed to do it. Was Who was it recently? There was a manager recently who was saying we don't want... Uh, it was, was it Wolves saying that they didn't want... Uh, a certain referee, referee. It was Southampton saying they don't want Mike Dean. Yeah, but didn't Wolves say it as well about a referee? They didn't want somebody refereeing their matches. And you think there are, there are now teams that are coming out and saying that they don't believe that the referee is fit to, to referee their match. Imagine, imagine a referee was, uh, you know, imagine, for example, a team was, you know, the criticism was, well, James Ward-Prowse, he just shouldn't be a footballer. He should just retire from being a footballer. He should be removed from being a footballer because he's bad at it, because he missed the chance. Whereas a referee makes a wrong decision and the, the conversation is often... I mean, the conversation is twofold. The one that really annoys me as much as anything else is, ah, oh, well, he's not good enough, so let's stick him in League Two for a few yeah. weeks. <laughs> so if you play in League Two... So we only get Premier League referees, which are deemed to be the best referees, if we play a Premier League team in a cup tie. But if we're playing another League Two team, then we get referees that are deemed not to be as good because they're A, paid less and B, not made professional like they are from Championship upwards. And if a referee has a bad game, they're demoted to another division, mm. which is which I guess in one way is probably to get them out of the limelight. I understand that element of it, but it's never framed like that. So I do think that's a problem as well, is that it's deemed like a lower... Um, you know, if you're not that good, then you can go and referee Tramia. But if you are good, then you can go and referee Tottenham. So it, I do think that's a, that's a problem as well in the way that we kind of talk about referees. Ryan, you've got your um, your yeah, virtual I'm, hand up, mate. Yeah, I'm trying to use this lately. I think it's good. But, um, yeah, and I like it. I like it. I'm just I don't want to go over the same points. I did want to ask you a question, Dan, because we obviously have a lot of conversations about football and you're in a relaxed environment where you can have a little think about your answers. Sometimes we kind of prep what we're going to talk about and those type of things. And you haven't played much football at the level you used to play in years. And being honest, on a football pitch, you were one of the worst players I've ever played with in terms of how you reacted to referees. <laughs> so how, how is your reaction? Like, what do you think now? Because you, you, you're somebody who, when you played football, you played fully, you, you got that involved, you were competitive there. You didn't always let decisions stick. I'd never say you abused referees. You just didn't let things drop if you didn't agree with the decision. Yeah, and I think that's... I think that's I think that's important, which is which is which is useful for me because we're talking about me. But I think that's useful <laughs> to split those two things. That there is a difference between. I mean, we've all played on football pitches where referees have been offered out or they've been given horrendous abuse by people. I think there's a difference between that and question. You know, questioning every decision the referee is making that's against you. Because that's, I mean, that was the way I always played, was I was always in the referees here. Yeah. Mm. But I would never have got thought, I don't ever believe that I went as far as, 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 as verbally abusing them or calling them anything that was anything outside of the parameters of the game. But again, I suppose for, for, from my own perspective, if I would look at it and think, was it, was it fair to be giving that person grief for, for an hour and a half? Even though you know they were turning up and getting twenty quid to do it, and the game Danny, can't take place. Danny, Danny, <laughs> Danny, <laughs> Danny, 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 determined for him to reverse but, his decision maybe but, 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 I suppose, but, again, uh, but again though like I remember these quite well they, they I was never, normally there dragging me back yeah they, they were never <laughs> they were never abusive it was more like how have you come to that decision kind of thing it was yeah. more that's not the, the the law how have you interpreted that way obviously in like not I never thought it was I've seen a lot stronger way. There was times where you did get. I think he got red carded once, maybe. I've had about, I've been sent off about five times. So yeah, 
So you you know you, you lose the fun uh, straight away, which I think well, might need to happen. Like if people if if people are going to carry on with 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 doing that, and it's just something like you hear from your your dad, don't you? Or should just send them off there. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe that might be the case. Maybe you book them more, and they miss a, an important game down the line. I don't know. But I what I want like... to say before, sorry, go on, mate. Sorry, what I want to say before. Do you remember the Barcelona Chelsea game? I think we mentioned it the other day where yes, we did. That yeah. goal. But I think it was the first leg um, where Chelsea went into the new camp and I think they might have had a decision or two go against them. Mourinho kicked up that much of a fuss. He managed to bring the game into disrepute. That referee, I think they used to keep the referees for the two legs at that point. Mm. And that referee got death threats because of that interpretation from Mourinho. And it was absolutely astounding. And it was the same kind of thing that you would get from, you know, I think about seven years earlier, six years earlier with David Beckham, where he had a terrible game and cost someone a game, a decision that he made. And he got death threats for it. And it was really, really weird. Well, that's what Mike um, Dean's, that's what Mike Dean's. Yeah, that's what Mike Dean's had. He so, talked about. So when, I, when, I've, when you see it, you're like, oh, we're back here again. You know, it's not. This isn't a new thing. We're just back here again. And you look at the influence that that managers are, are allowed to have. I mean, do you remember Ferguson going on about John Moss saying he's too fat to be a referee? There's a lot of stuff, and it's an it's an edge, and if they can use that edge, yeah, how to use that edge? You know, it's like death by a thousand cuts, isn't it? Yeah, and, re- and realistically, they need um, they need to protect these referees. They need to protect because otherwise, the game just falls apart, really. Yeah. And it just becomes a bit of a farce. They need to protect them. They need to come out and make a strong statement and then and carry it on and follow it up. But what happens normally is is they start sending a couple of people off and then they forget about it and then we come back to the same thing. So Yeah, and then it pervades lower down the yeah. game. So if we talk about, you know, we were talking yeah. about when we used to play as well, but I think broadly speaking, I don't think we've ever been on a pitch where we've ever been privy to some of the really extreme incidents that you hear about in terms of referees being assaulted, um, referees being threatened after a game. I've certainly been told secondhand about stories from other teams who were playing in the same leagues as us. Um, I'd seen some stuff, but not some of the extent. I mean, there, there are some horrific stories about the way referees are treated. And there is absolutely no doubt that a lot of that comes from the top down, that if p- people are seeing the way that referees are treated at the top level, and the disrespect that they're given at the top level, that that will pervade down into the into the lower amateur levels as well. And I think it's more dangerous at that point as well, because it, with the best will in the world, you know, Dallin Drysdale squares up to Alan Judge, and that is really shocking for people to see. But what is the worst thing that happens there? Nobody's nobody's getting assaulted or, you know what I mean, nobody's getting their head kicked in or anything. I actually heard on another podcast, um, they were talking about the Darren Drysdale incident. And Darren Drysdale previously um, came to some uh, prominence about 14 years ago in an incident with Dean Windass, where I think Drysdale may have sent Dean Windass off or had, had given a penalty against um, whoever Windass was playing for at the time. And Drysdale made, had to give a statement into the FA that Windass had followed him to his car and was giving him abuse as he was, he was getting into his car. Now... That's in- interesting, isn't it, that the other incident that Drysdale has been kind of known for in this kind of context is an incident where it's been reversed, where the player's acting in, in, in an aggressive way to to him. But I suppose then, if we're talking about the way that it kind of goes down to the lower levels, what then that what, what happens then is that you get less and less people wanting to referee, and you can understand why less and less people would want to referee, at which point means that the, the pool of people refereeing is smaller, which, as we know, in the long run leads to lower standard and lower quality of referees because the competition is lower and it's it's you know that's not to say that people who are refereeing aren't, aren't of a high standard because they, they, it's a difficult place to get to um, even despite all of that but it does make it less appealing for people to do and there have been lots of people who've talked about lots of referees who've talked about walking away from the game not wanting to do it anymore and there's a few different stories online. We've talked about uh, Dr. Tom Webb, who's the, the co-author of that, the, the book that we talked about again, Referees, Match Officials and Abuse. We'll put the article up on um, on our Twitter, which we found on, on the BBC, where we pulled all that information from. I suppose then that moves on to our, our sort of final question. Oh, yeah, Ants, you've got your hand up. Go on, mate. Well, well I was just going to ask you, what, you know, what, are, what, what what's the game doing to, to try and help these, like, referees? Because obviously we kind of need them, otherwise no one's going to get a game on. Otherwise, like, I don't know, some coaches are going to be doing it and don't really want, like, uh, 
Sammy Lee refereeing me football match. So, what, what what's the what's the deal like? Are they are they helping them or? Yeah, so that's that's interesting, really. So, the FA is piloting a mental health scheme at the moment. Um, it's around 20 individuals we train to support referees and mental health problems to stay in the game. Now that's kind of as vague as it gets in terms of the information. That's obviously in addition to Respect Campaign, the Heads Up Initiative, which is promoted by the Duke of Cambridge. And all match officials are also sent additional guidance on how to deal with stress and look after their mental health. I think kind of, again, as comes down to a lot of things in these situations, there doesn't seem to be an enormous amount of leadership in terms of driving the conversation in a more positive way. So that kind of leads us to where we often get to with these conversations, as we did with player abuse and as we did with um, the LGBTQIA plus episode that we did. What what can we do? What can we do as football fans to, to, to try and help with the situation, to try and improve the sort of general attitude towards referees? I don't know if either of you have got any specific ideas on things that we can do to help outside of just stop calling them wankers when we're at the match which um, is an important thing in and of itself yeah difficult that though because obviously you want to voice your frustration i still think you like you can be allowed to do that um I, I i've often said you can you can do not what you want in the ground but you, that's your that's your area of you know being able to voice your frustration to certain extents um I would guess you've got to kind of find something else to occupy your mind like rather than worrying about what some referee from Lincoln has, has done to your football team or you perceive to have done to your football team. It doesn't make sense to me to, to let that fester. Go and find something else. Don't make football your only hobby. Don't worry about it. Maybe try and learn that there's 89 other minutes in a football match where your team probably could have done something. I don't know. Uh, maybe do that and we've seen countless examples as well our most famous victory at, at Wembley is is with a red car within the first minute and we won the game so it's doable it, it, it doesn't always change everything sometimes make it better theatrically it was uh, brilliant wasn't it so yeah, yeah I think for for me and personally I, I mean I don't go on on, on Twitter and uh, or social media and, and go and make a, a statement about referees or, or abuse them in that way at a football match, I might shout the odd occasional thing, which I think you two have probably heard. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe calm that down a little bit. Uh, I guess maybe, I, maybe I would... watch maybe watch some more of the football. To be honest, yeah, I, I wonder if it maybe just needs a collective kind of let's just not talk about it so much. Let's yeah. just stop talking about referees' yeah. decisions all the time. Mm. Just remove the pressure of it. You know, yeah. if you're telling me that no, you know, I mean, we've said it, but. People aren't, they're not there to watch the referees, so stop talking about them. You know, if you it, it, ultimately, that some of the decisions are going to be right, some of them are going to be wrong. But over the course of the season, they'll probably balance themselves out. You'll get some in your favour, you'll get some against you. And, and, and in the long run, it really isn't going to make that much of a difference. And I think just removing that level of weight on the importance of those decisions would help them to be able to get on with, with their job. Yeah, I think there's a few facets to it, isn't it? I think there's, a, in, in a long-term viewpoint on how you get it better, there's stuff from a grassroots level which is often starts from the parents to tell you the truth whatever age you're at and i know they have brought initiatives in with the tape and not talking and all those things but when kids see it at a young age a parent shouting at the referee who's again just donating and volunteering his time for a very small amount of money it's easy for the for the youngsters to to get that ingrained in how they can behave and then i think if you move to the more professional game i think the fa and football as general has a way of they need to clarify and make it easier for refs to do the job by not blurring the line so much and not leaving so much to interpretation. Um, maybe a bit more of an education to fans on what the actual rules are, because I think if we all read the rule book tomorrow, we'd be surprised how little we know on rules um, and why decisions are made and stuff like that. Hence why, as annoying as it is when Peter Walton jumped in halfway through a game, he does sometimes tell you something that he didn't realise was a rule, <laughs> why they've made that decision. Um, so there's clarification there. And then as Ant touched on, I, I do, I, I agree with his insight that I don't think you can say to people, stop shouting at football games because it'd be the death of football. But at the same time, I don't think you can just shout anything as well. And 
if you look at a football game and how and how and what how often do you see the manager at half time storm to the centre circle and stop yeah. the referee? <laughs> you can't like you've got a team talk to do there, mate. You're getting beat two 0 You're under the forty five minutes. So, but I think that, that's I just think forms part of the general obsession. We're obsessed yeah. with referees, aren't we? We're obsessed with referees. It's an excuse, isn't it? Yeah. At the end yeah, of the yeah. day, and I, I, I'm not as strong as, as you on the opinion that in the grand scheme of things that, that the isolated incidents don't matter that much. I think a referee has a power to turn a good season to a bad season with one decision, personally. And that's fine for me to think that way and you to think another. But, I mean, the Champions League final, Spurs and Liverpool started with a penalty that a lot of people disagreed on, but that's fine. You can disagree. There is Sometimes there won't always be a right and a wrong. There'll be someone's decision who was put in charge to officiate that match. They were given custody of that match, essentially. And their decision's final at the end of the day, yeah. maybe with the help of art. So you can talk about it all you want, and you could say, I would have made this decision, they shouldn't have made that decision. They were chosen because they were the best person for that job. And in that moment in time, they thought that was their interpretation of the rules was this. So don't spend all the half time in the studio just focusing on that. Let's talk about the football maybe we wouldn't be so obsessed of it if we're not seeing so much of it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really important, what you've just said there, Ryan, is they're the person who's most suited to, to the, you know, the, the, the powers that be have decided that this is the person that's in charge of this football match. So what they say goes. And I think when we talk about undermining referees, as you say, if we then go to the studio and we have three ex-players whose gravitas is going to be of much higher uh, level than the, than the referees have got, simply by the fact that that's you know that's the, the level that comes with being a footballer or you know being a, a former footballer at that level it just completely undermines them for them to be sitting there dissecting that decision because you can guarantee for an absolute fact that if a referee was sat around dissecting whether a player should have passed the ball or shot or anything like that they'd go yeah but you ain't a player so you don't you don't know what it's like but you know no one ever says to a player have you ever been a referee before have you ever, have <laughs> yeah. you ever? And, and and so that's never turned on its head the other way so i think the best thing that we can do is to stop obsessing with referees all the time, stop obsessing with the decisions. And you know what? As much as anything else, people just need to think about the way that they treat other people. I mean, the, the crux of this is sending death threats to the people is completely unacceptable, but it seems oh, like yeah. it's just par for the course nowadays. That someone does something you don't like, you send them a death threat. It's just completely bizarre. I don't even know how they get people's addresses. It's just like I, know, I, don't I, don't think, I don't think we need to discuss that in case. I know I'm not, I'm not going to discuss it because I couldn't tell you if I wanted to. I, I'm just because part of your attitude is can't when you hear someone sent to death threat, you kind of naturally your mind goes, oh, they won't do anything. But then you think about it, and you go, wait, they've gone to the effort to find. I know. Out they've gone to that death. extent. That that's not right. That that's really really odd behaviour. So it forms part of a larger discussion about the way that people treat each other and particularly treat each other online. I think, you know, it's very easy to, to, for us to sit here and, and, and say these things, but ultimately I think people just need to stop being twats online to each other. <laughs> they do. People are just so unpleasant. And on that note, maybe, maybe when we all get allowed to go back outside, that might die down but people a, little, being, a, people little, were... a little bit. Maybe. People were being horrible to each other online before the pandemic. I know, I, 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 yeah. I know there's a lot of discussion about has it gotten worse, and I, I honestly don't know. But people were being really unpleasant to each other beforehand, and it's just, yeah. it's just, it extends to everything. I mean, we've seen it with all of the the, the players, and they've been discussing whether they're going to continue taking the knee. And it seems now that any player who who does anything in a match or doesn't win, they just get abuse, racist abuse online, and it just pervades everything. It's just. It's so frustrating and you become numb to it and you don't want to become numb to it because it's just not acceptable. But it goes back to a lot of conversations that we've had at the very, very basic level of some of the things that you say online and some of the ways that you talk to people. It does have an impact in in, in, a, in the grander scheme of things. There is a huge difference between somebody saying something on Twitter that, that you know that, that that's mildly critical of someone or is mildly you know abusive of somebody, and going to the extent of finding someone's address and sending them a death threat. There is a huge scale of difference between those two things, but they are they form part of the same ecosystem. You have to be you have to accept that you are part of the problem if you're not part of the solution, and ultimately just treating people better online thinking about the way that you say things when you write something think that's going to be there forever now as soon as i hit send on this i can delete that tweet if i want but it's there it's on the internet somewhere forever 
And just think about that when you're writing those words. And it's just about being kinder to one another and just accepting, okay, maybe the referee got the decision wrong. Do you go into work every day and get every decision right? I bet you don't, because I certainly don't. And I think I'm quite good at my job. So I just think it's, it's, it's about taking things into perspective a little bit more and just dialing it back a little bit and going, is this worth getting this annoyed about and sending this abuse to? And I think that's the, the biggest thing that we can all do. Uh, I'm going to wrap us up there, chaps. And that's been a, a, an interesting and enjoyable conversation with both of you, as it always is. Um, I'm just going to do a little bit of, a little bit of signposting at the end of this episode, which we'll, we, we put um, some links and stuff in, in our bios as usual. But um, we're going to direct it to Minds and Young Minds, which are two places that you can do if you're experiencing any issues with anxiety, depression, or any other mental health afflictions. Minds have a, a, a free phone line, which is 0300 and Young Minds, which is a similar organisation to Minds, they deal with people under the age of 25, which a lot of referees, a lot of young referees, a lot of amateur level referees are obviously under the age of 25 starting up their, their journey on, on the road to refereeing. And, and Young Minds also have a free phone number, which is 0808-802-5544. And if you do need to speak to anybody about any abuse that you've received either in person or online, and if it is affecting your mental health, your mental well-being, then those places are available. If you want to find us on, on Twitter, you can find us there at marking underscore man come and get involved with us give us your thoughts on today's episodes and any of our other episodes and use the hashtag where's the talking lads we'll be back on monday with an interview with former tramia uh center forward former wales center forward simon howarth so that'll be something that's worth looking forward to and we'll be back again a week today with a second interview of the week with uh sas who dares wins star ollie ollerton so some really varied up interviews next week something to look forward to so thank you for listening and we'll see you again on monday <laughs>